Hey folks, hope your Q3 and Q4 is off to a good start. We just wrapped up Founder 500 in Austin, Texas. Hundreds of bootstrap founders showed up. It was an amazing time. I loved meeting so many of you. This interview today is a recording from that session, which you're going to love because now we have visuals, we have the founder teaching, and I made every single speaker include their revenue graphs and real artifacts in their presentations. Without further ado, let's jump in. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Me and giving Drew a warm round of applause up on the stage. Um, yeah, my name is Drew. I'm uh, from a company called Crystal Nose. Started it in uh, 2015. And just to get an idea, so this is going to be all about business model transformation. Um, how many people have the majority of their revenue coming from either, what do you call it, PLG or self-service or basically most people pay you with a credit card individually. All right. And then how many people, most of their revenue come from a more B2B motion where it's annual or like the subscriptions, got it. So we're about like 40 to 60. How many people are changing from one to the other or moving from one? All right, so is it is it a moving up market? Both. All right, so who, I guess, who's moving up market right now? Okay, who's moving down market? Cool. All right, so we got a good mix. So just to give you the high level, we are about seven years old and we've been in the process, the long process of figuring out that the world of like self-service and SMB, it was great to get us started, but it did not, it was not going to get us to where we want to be. So when people ask me how long I've been doing Crystal, I say, well, it's like a seven and a half year old company, but it's like a two year old business. So that's kind of what this is about. So my biggest lesson from the last seven years of doing this was just that most SaaS cannot scale by PLG alone. And PLG means a lot of things to a lot of people. If you want to just substitute like self-service for us. So self-service pricing or, or payments. Um, so I just want to walk through the next 20 minutes. The three, I guess there's really two stages. One is I call our PLG model. So I want to start basically where we were for the most, you know, the majority of our, of our company's life where it's just everybody is a self-service, single subscription, paying us with a credit card. Don't really talk to most people. To do that, I'm going to go over how we built that organic funnel, how we, that really helped us to achieve profitability and grow in a lean way. Um, but then also the problems, why I couldn't scale. So then I'm going to go over the pivot, how we validated the new model, um, and how we de-risked that whole process so it wasn't just you know cutting off things right away and changing. And then the challenges that come along with it. And then if I uh, don't speak too long and ramble on, I'm going to talk about the new model and how that has played out so far over the last two years. Um, at the high level, we've about 4x our LTV, which is the main kind of metric that I've been using as success to make these decisions and build the team and everything. So three stages. So I'll start with just basic overview of the product. Um, does anybody here familiar with Crystal? Or, okay, a few people. So it's a, um, it's, we call it an adaptive selling tool. We serve mostly B2B sales teams, and they use it, our Chrome extension on LinkedIn, it to help them communicate better with people. 
And we also have these tools for Gmail, Outlook, help people write better emails based on the personality of who you're speaking to. Um, like I said, we've been around for just over seven years, been profitable for the last three. Um, we did raise money, so we raised venture capital from mostly strategics. So Salesforce and HubSpot Ventures are our primary two investors, and we've got a couple more. And we have about 30 employees right now scattered all over the U.S. and Canada. And our product, it mostly is an integrated, we call it like a coach for every conversation. So it's not the type of thing where you plug it in and it's this mission-critical tool that someone's spending their day on. Um, it's more of an integration focus thing. So we just want to follow you around if you're a B2B sales rep or a B2B sales manager, wherever you do your work. So that's kind of an example of what the product does. Living in Gmail works uh, in a similar way to like spell check or Grammarly, but corrects your emails as you write. Um, so it's, uh, it's, a, it's a whole kind of multidimensional thing. Starts with personality assessments, then goes to how you put this stuff into practice. So this is just like a picture of when we, from when we've started to now, and it's been a, it's been a journey. It's kind of crazy for me to look at the, uh, just the, the change in it. So if you notice, there's two lines. That pink line is our self-service business, and that was all of our revenue for the first five-ish years of growing Crystal. And that's when a lot of people learned about the product because we were just trying to build this inbound funnel, and thus we gave away a lot for free. Um, so we've got a big freemium platform, and that created a growth mechanism. However, as you can see, it was just very difficult to scale that. We couldn't really, it was just very hard to move it and get it a little bit into the details. That paint, the purple line is the B2B sales motion that we started about two years ago towards the end of 2020. And that is a combination of like mid-market and enterprise sales. And that's what's really elevated our business. Not, I mean, this is a very much a work in progress. So hopefully I can talk to you in a couple of years and that line's gonna, this one's gonna look very different. But um, it's really given us a scalable sales model that now we're kind of pressing into. So you're seeing like a work in progress type presentation right now. This is, this is not a complete retrospective. Under hood, this is the key stat that I am laser focused on with our team. It's improving, improving our LTV. So all throughout this self-service journey of our company, I could not, for the life of me, figure out how to increase ACV significantly, and I could not figure out how to get the churn down. So that resulted in a long, long slog of struggling with low LTV. Um, we had a very exciting product on the surface, but just the nature of, you know, a credit card churn and a product that was not coming down from the top, and then people struggling to implement it, it was just a very difficult. It was very difficult to, to upsell, to expand, all kind, you know, everything that all the people on the stage have said. You should be doing this. We actually couldn't put it into motion because we didn't actually have real relationships with our customers. Um, but the last two years, since implementing all this stuff, we'll be able to increase that about 4x and it's kind of on its way up as we continue to do it. So the, the first model, just so we know what we're talking about here, um, you might find it something similar. We were charging anywhere between like $29 and $49 a month for our product. And it was mostly mostly monthly sorry monthly uh, monthly deals. We had no sales team, no customer success team. At the time, I bragged about that. It's like, yeah, great. Our product kind of just sells itself. People just pay us. It's wonderful. Um, I was able to just do things like, you know, have a tiny tiny team that was mostly just me and a bunch of other developers. And 
Honestly, it wasn't all bad. Like the, the good parts about this was that it forced us to build really strong organic funnels. So Crystal does over a hundred, or sorry, over a thousand signups per day. And of those, there are a lot who are very well qualified for an account. So building that funnel was really helpful. Built a lot of brand awareness, some really great logos of companies where we got a lot of saturation. And then also just product-wise, when you have that kind of motion, this is this is a reason I would say here definitely go into freemium or PLG if you haven't yet. It gives you a very very fast feedback loop. You can put something in, you can put something out there, and whereas if you're in a pure B2B motion, it's going to take you a while, you know, maybe months to figure out did this work. In a high volume transactional business, you can get data like within a day, or depending on what you're doing, maybe it's a couple of weeks. So being able to make decisions really quickly, that was a really big part of the PLG part. Um, and then also it was just super efficient. So insanely low CAC. At the time, most of the time we did this, we just had less than 10 people. Didn't, it's just not a very people-intensive business, and most of those were on the product engineering side. And we were able to build um, steady cash flow. So as a tiny company, we were able to, even after raising venture capital, add like over a million to the balance sheet and just kind of keep going smooth and steady. But oh, anyway, I was going to just describe a couple of those, um, how we did that. This was a part of the organic funnel and how it was generating those thousand signups a day. So first one was just multiplayer features. I can skip over these details here. But the second was SEO. So that was a, a major part of growing that funnel. Most of our SEO is just these personality tests and all these types of opportunities that we found online. So bottom line here is that growing that self-service or PLG motion was really a forcing function for us to build these types of channels. So that's a, that is a great reason to do it. And also it really plays into our strategy now, but it really struggled. So just to put some numbers to it, I mean, our churn rates were probably two to 3% in just credit card churn, like involuntary credit card churn alone. And you can recover some of that if there's tools to do it, but it, that even that to overcome is really tough. And then you put it on top, on top of it, it's a product that you, you know, we would, we would find that people, when they started as, even if they're at a huge company, it feels like a secret weapon to them. So they don't really spread it to others. This is mostly dealing with sales reps. So they're, they're competing with their peers. So rather than say, hey, I found this great new tool, a lot of sales reps in these large companies had a more adversarial relationship where we would talk to them and say like, hey, you know, you like using the products? Like, yeah, I love Crystal. And then we asked them like, oh, is anybody else on the team using it? It's like, no way, I'm not telling them about this. Like, this is giving me an advantage. <laughs> that was a really interesting learning from like one of the one of the darker sides of uh, of like a single single license type product. So that happened. So it was very hard to increase the ACV or get opportunities and, and spread it. That was like one of the main things I found out. And then when I dig dug in further, and this has continued up till this year, was I learned that there were a lot of huge companies that were kind of because they, I don't want to say it's like a hole in our business model, but we just, we didn't really expect them to use the product in the way that we thought. And because this is just a bunch of people giving us their credit card, it wasn't a full motion where they're paying us thousands of dollars, paying us a few hundred dollars a month. Never really even had the opportunity to, to understand that. Now we talked to a lot of them because we had relation, you know, I had one-on-one -on -one relationships with people and, you know, but we're dealing with like 5,000 customers at one point, a 10 person team. You just, you just don't have the insights you do when you're dealing in a in a larger motion. So these were some some of the issues that were really holding us back. Then around the mid to late 2020, 
had these insights which caused us to to change over to now I call this PLG plus B2B sales motion. Um, we had a couple of team subscriptions and this is I think one of the unexpected things where it's if you're one of those companies that's going from self-service towards enterprise or B2B, this is one of the things that just surprised me. I was expecting roughly similar usage and retention patterns. But what we saw was a jump from like 55% retention rate to about 120. And that was pretty much the same product, except when it was an individual use case, just you lose half of them over a year versus the same exact product in a B2B use case where, you know, we've got a customer success team, people actually responsible for maintaining the revenue, expansion opportunities. We're seeing a consistent about 120% retention rate. And that's before we, you know, changed the product to accommodate for those people better. So that was like the kind of thing that would be obvious to a more experienced person who knew what they were doing, but that's not me. So it took me five years to realize that. I was like, okay, well, this product X, what, what I thought was a product problem over and over again, if we just release the right feature, then people will stop canceling accounts. So if we just figure out how to, you know, tweak the onboarding so, you know, that we get the right self-service customer, then we'll have better numbers. But it turns out it was just our product. This is not the same for everybody, but our product in particular just works better when it's part of a whole organizational initiative or a whole team initiative. So that was the biggest intro. Then there were some other things here. Like, um, for example, this I kind of mentioned before when large companies were uh, organically converting. So we'd see a big customer of ours is Accenture. And we'd see all these Accenture accounts coming in, going out, upgrading, downgrading, like signing up a whole bunch of people and then never responding to the emails that we sent out. Um, it was just like all this churn. And, you know, and you're looking at these logos like, wow, we've got Accenture as customers, Oracle as customers, EY, Salesforce, like these just massive companies, but no real enterprise traction. And it's because they never actually had the pressure to, to enter into a sales process. Even when we had a sales team, we were trying for it. Because we had the self-service account, it was like this very low friction way to just kind of take care of it with your company card and not worry about it. Um, and then overall, just personally, and this maybe you can resonate with, the constant steady grind of doing a B2B company, but with B2C-like churn was just exhausting. Because all B2C companies that have subscriptions, they all deal with high, high churn rates relative to what a B2B company looks like. But um, I think a lot of prosumer type, you know, models, it can work with a super, super sticky product. Um, that's not really what we have. It's not just not like that. So <laughs> constantly has seeing customers churn and building these relationships and then seeing um, just it's just physically like exhausting to do because you feel like you're constantly on this hamster wheel and maybe you're taking like two steps forward or maybe you're taking like five steps forward and then like four steps back. That's what I feel like. So back in 2022, this is at the point where we had probably, I'd say two to 3% of our revenue coming from these team deals. But we got those insights that I mentioned. Like, wow, these customers have just been here forever. They were just things that I closed personally, didn't have a sales team doing it. I realized these people are actually using this product and it's, they are showing a lot of success with it. And they seem to really like it a lot more than the individuals who keep coming in and out. 
um, decided to just kind of go for it because like I said, we had raised money and we had the cash in the balance sheet. We just didn't really know how to use it. So at this point, even though we were profitable or because we were profitable, I was able to just say like, let's just take the risk and try something new. Um, so in 2020, we hired finally a VP of sales who'd done this before. Can't, can't um, speak enough to that. Just the amount of the amount of experience I lacked. So both on the VP of sales and VP of customer success, people who had done this before and just like allowed to cover up my blind spots as like a developer, technical founder. And then we started placing new limits on our self-service accounts and just kind of went for it. And so this is what our, our model after a lot of tinkering and a bunch of different kind of flows has now today looks like. So we get about 20,000 signups from all kinds of word of mouth. So direct referral, all that. Um, per month, and we get about 10,000 signups via SEO. So that funnel I mentioned, and a little bit for marketing. Everybody converts to free accounts. So this is a, I said we killed the freemium model. We didn't really kill the freemium model. That's still going strong. We killed the freemium to self-service model. And now everybody ends up getting put in one of these buckets. They're, uh, well, there's really four buckets. There's a lot of people that are just consumers who are kind of disregarded, but of the leads, we got MQLs. These are people who would previously sign up for a uh, self-service account. And these are the ones who either are a tiny entity at a large company who we want to nurture, or there's someone who had, had a genuinely small business. There's the mid-market, which is for us like 3 to 24K ACV. And these are generally companies that have teams of people call it from 10 to 100. And that's we have a sales team around that. And then we have this enterprise bucket where the companies that are usually greater than 5,000 people, a lot of them have scattered free users, little paid accounts across the board. And it's primarily a sales use case for us. So this model flows both into those buckets and then those buckets flow upward because we're kind of constantly nurturing those smaller scale leads into the larger ones. The trade-offs are definitely real too. And I definitely want to, I'm not going to go too into detail of this because I want to show you the results of all this. But the main ones are around sales cycle and complexity. So if you've ever tried that up market motion, if you're going the opposite direction, it's, it's kind of a nice, to, a nice reprieve from those things. But going up market, we definitely had to build out our, just the overall apparatus and the, uh, the infrastructure around compliance and legal and all of this. So that's been a big, big trade-off and also much greater seasonality. This was one that I didn't expect, whereas our revenue used to be very, very steady. Now we see those huge drop-offs in the summer come back in, you know, towards the end of quarters. And then you get that big drop-off in the winter. Something that was just not on my radar as a just main, mainly PLG founder. And I was like, oh, wow, it actually matters when people are in the office. <laughs> so there's all these little things. Um, and then one I didn't expect too is a little bit of an emotional roller coaster difference because, you know, just I think last week we closed one of our biggest deals ever and it was in flux for a while and um, felt really good. And the week prior, we had lost one of our biggest deals ever that didn't close. So that was something I never, ever dealt with before. And these are the two main drivers for it though. So those risks so far look like they're paying off. So our overall um, revenue per user is up about three times. And like I said, the gross, the churn number on those B2B accounts is much more healthy. So that's kind of continuing on this downward trajectory. And the number's not on here, but the net is about, it's, it's about 120% for the B2B accounts. So we're kind of, we finally got over 100% across the customer base. It's about 101. And we're kind of continuing that upward motion. 
So today, this is what it looks like. Um, we've got that yellow line, which is the self-service business. The pink line is our mid-market business, and that earlier developing line is our enterprise business, which is where we're really hoping most of the growth comes from in the future. Um, and one thing you notice is just that yellow line, it's going down. And that's one of the key takeaways for me is that, I'm gonna actually go to my next slide here. These are the three key takeaways, but that last one was I realized for years as a founder that has been used to one business model, I actually had this built-in fear of watching a number go down. A number going down that I could have relied on steadily growing up, going up, even if it was really hard to make it increase faster. The only thing that helped me personally unlock a new business model with those much healthier unit economics and something that I can actually scale now because I have a model that I can plug salespeople into and a customer success team into. And if they hit their numbers, it works. The only thing was getting over the fear of watching a number go down that I had trusted in going up for a long time. So that's the, that's the key thing. If there's anything to take away from this presentation, it's the thing that got you to say 1 million may not be the thing that gets you to 10 million. And um, if you have any kind of mental blocks like that, usually because you've been you know, resting on one number going up for a long time, then getting over that can be really helpful. So anyways, yeah, that's, that's uh, I think we're about 20 minutes now. So that's the end of my presentation. Um, if anybody wants to go in deep, I love like nerding out on business model type stuff because I've been tinkering with this for years at this point. Um, especially when we're talking about moving one way or the other. It's just, there's so many of these built-in assumptions that you have that are completely the opposite or completely false that you, you don't really figure out until you until you move that direction or until you really meet and go deep with someone in that. So yeah, I'd love to, love to talk about that with anybody who's kind of going through that motion or the opposite motion. So thank you.